Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jamie Williams, Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of 164 in Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also serve as clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. Today, my guest is Heather Deaton, Certified Financial Planner and Wealth Advisor here at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jamie. I'm really excited to record with you today. It's quite an honor. So today we're going to talk about uh, ways to hit the reset button on financial stress. You know, we all run into times in our lives where things might become overwhelming, whether that's uh, holidays or life events, could be related to work, school, things that just kind of come up naturally. And so today, uh, we're going to talk to Heather about some ideas that, you know, she's passionate about in terms of planning. You know, sometimes we forget it's not always just about finances or money. You know, certainly keeping those things important, money and family in perspective, definitely is always front and center. But often we overlook some of the other elements. So, for example, the emotion, the physical side of things as well. So people often tend to think or overthink about knowing what they want to do or how they're going to approach it essentially. But when we think about the call to action, that's an important step, I think, for for most people when they determine that they want to move forward. So Heather, what would you say to someone that's been thinking about this yet maybe hasn't taken any action on it yet? I think that sometimes the planning aspect and knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it can just become so overwhelming. So one piece on where to start when it comes to the financial reset button, like Jamie, you had said, or if we think about, you know, we're at the start of the year right now, so much flurry of activity and spending and family time and celebration happens in that those last couple months of the year and then all of a sudden it's January and not not so much to make resolutions because those we all know those rarely rarely really hold for much longer than a handful of weeks what we're really talking about is ways that you can kind of reset your intentions and have a plan for moving forward and also learn from the experience that you that you just went through. So a place to start to really identify, you know, where you're at and kind of where your goals are is to just just to look at what is currently happening. One thing that is super important is managing your cash flow. And what do I mean by cash flow? It's looking at what comes in, what goes out, and where it goes and do that on a monthly basis. I always tell clients in the financial planning and and ongoing work I do with clients here that it's important to also look at that without any kind of judgment. This isn't Mm -hmm. to, to bring guilt or shame. This isn't to set you on a budget the B word. Mm -hmm. It's really just to get awareness of where your spending is and what's important to you. You know, when I do cash flow tracking for our family every month, you know, I, I notice things that 
either I feel really committed to and really great about, or maybe those little pieces where I, I realize, huh, maybe that wasn't really as important as, as I thought in that, you know, in that moment um, at the time. So it just gives me more awareness moving forward. It also sets some other things that we'll get to talking oh, about as sure. well. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. And I, that's totally on point because I've been seeing that with certain members of my family or just, you know, people I know that are trying to be more conscious about what their spending looks like. And it can really be uh, an eye-opening exercise to really sit down and figure out where funds are going month over month or looking back over a period, say, for example, a quarter or half the year. Um, so, well, that's wonderful. And thank you for sharing because that is, a, you know, really an important aspect of getting on the right track. Mm -hmm. And if you were to, you know, maybe think about the process that someone should go about in terms of getting started, what's a good first step for them? Well, for cash flow tracking would be, again, on a monthly basis, download your bank statement or transactions, see any new credit card purchases that happen on a monthly basis. I do it electronically. I download all of our transactions and it pre-categorizes it for you. You could also do it old school by just taking the copy of your bank statement, the bank mails, and marking it up to kind of say what categories is that in. What that's going to help you do is get that awareness of, of how much is it left over at the end of the month if you're fortunate enough to have funds left over at the end of the month? Sure. Or where is that gap between income that comes in and what it takes for you to live? And then we can really address like, okay, how has that gap been filled previously? Or is there debt accumulating? That's another piece of it. I've talked so mm -hmm. far mostly about cash flow tracking and cash flow management, but there's also looking at kind of what other liabilities are out there. We know that people have mortgages or rent, um, car payments, things like that, bills that they have to pay every single month. But it's more of that kind of debt that's accumulating on the outside. Again, the beginning of the year, oftentimes we get credit card statements that are higher than we see in other months of the year. Sure. Maybe more challenging to pay off that month if, again, for people fortunate enough to be able to pay off their credit card bills every single month. So being able to look at what are what are the different pieces of debt in your life? Again, mortgage, car, and then the revolving debt, the credit cards, whether mm -hmm. it's department store cards or whether it's Visa MasterCard, really digging in and saying, okay, what are the interest rates there? How much is that piece of debt costing me? You know, there's certain things we can't control much. Mortgage rates right now are higher than normal. Sure. If you're buying a house now, you know, you don't have a lot of options, but that's where with credit cards, we know they're almost always 15, 18, 23%. Um, that's a lot higher than anything you're going to make with money in your savings account. So really being able to look at that and see, you know, what is your debt costing you? And, and then coming up with that again, what changes in cash flow can you make if you've got the ability to do that to be able to start putting more funds towards that highest cost debt? Yeah, I love that. And just the concept of fixed versus variable rate you know, when you think about where people were getting mortgages a year ago mm -hmm. and where they're at today, essentially mortgage rates have doubled, mm -hmm. you know, really sure. just happened. Um, but when I think about using temporary lending facilities, for example, a credit card, a home equity line of credit, things of that nature, we've even had people come out and say, look, the rate was 4%. Now it's 7 or mm -hmm. 8 so keeping those things in mind and the concept of maybe resting 
your credit card or line of credit for a couple months, make sure it's paid down to zero, kind of essentially setting or setting an expectation to hit the reset button mm -hmm. is probably a good idea for a lot of folks. Uh, I don't believe most people really know what they're paying, you know, in rates. Right. Uh, on the credit cards, especially if they're carrying a balance, hopefully they've done the right things to set up automatic payments and maybe they've got online banking. That's really become more of a turnkey, uh, you know, friendly thing for people. So, yeah, and, you know. and some of those details get lost when we, when we switch to things that are all electronic and digital, which I love as well, you know, mm -hmm. the convenience of being able to pay bills online. However, I think some of those details that you can gloss over because you don't see a paper statement in front of you or, or if you're not taking the time to look at your electronic statement, um, you know, you, you just mentioned like paying the bills and if you can pay it off, you know, if, if you've got a credit card balance, that minimum payment that they require is, is so low compared to the balance that it's never going to get you out of that debt. Big picture, if we just kind of, it's a kind of a blanket statement, but those minimum payments are not designed to have you pay off the debt. It's just enough to keep the bank happy and to keep things going. So that's just something, again, to be aware of. Um, you know, how much additional above the minimum payment can you can you make to make that progress on that debt? And again, you know, not everyone's in that position to either pay it off or to even accumulate it. And we know that. But just some things to think about. Wonderful. You're listening to Money Sense. We're here today with Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group. And we're talking about hitting the reset button on financial stress. So Heather, you know, just kind of looking ahead for people, they've made the decision, they now want to take the steps necessary in order to kind of formulate this plan. Is there a realistic time frame that they should maybe follow in terms of putting this together? What are, what are some thoughts that you've had or things that you've shared? And, and there's a few different pieces to this. So far, we've talked about cash flow management. You know, if you look backwards six months or 12 months, um, and then moving forward, do it every single month right after the month end, that's going to be really beneficial. If you had, say, three months, six months worth of kind of data around your cash flow, and if you take that time to build your inventory of what your outstanding liabilities are, your debt, as well as any of your um any of your savings vehicles or your investments, you know, that's like your assets that you've got that you may be able to tap into if it made sense mm -hmm. to help pay that off. The other the other piece of it is looking at trying to trying to kind of figure out how much are you saving and how much additional can you save. Of course. No, that makes perfect sense because I don't think people really understand the importance of emergency savings and using mm -hmm. their savings as a tool throughout different times in the year, whether it's a tax situation or just things that are going to really benefit them from their income, from other things that might be really important. So with that being the case, we are going to take a commercial break. And when we get back, we will pick up where we left off and talk a little bit about uh, the concept of emergency savings and what your thoughts are there. So thank you. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jamie Williams, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today I'm here with Heather Deaton, also a financial planner and wealth advisor here at Ellen Becker. Heather and I were before the break talking about uh, cash flow, the 
putting your best foot forward, hitting the financial reset button that so many people think about and maybe have done. Maybe they need to re-engage in that process at some point. You know, our finances are ever-changing, evolving, and it's always a, a great best practice to either get a plan going or pick up and reset where you're at. So, Heather, before the break, we were talking about um, some of the stresses that people have and essentially kind of hitting that proverbial reset button. Mm -hmm. We left off talking about debt, kind of started in on the emergency savings concepts and ideas and making sure that people have that in place. What are some thoughts that you share around how people should approach that? So, you know, we've all heard the headlines about emergency savings across America. Many people don't have a plan for that. They don't have the emergency savings. So when we talked about tracking your cash flow and kind of what comes in and what goes out, there's a few different ways to look at it and kind of benchmark, like, how much should I have in emergency savings? What does that mean? Some people mm -hmm. may think their emergency savings is just great because they've got $2,000. In case something happens to their car, they can easily, you know, buy new, maybe buy new tires or a new tire. Um, but what I would say is that you really want to look at it from a perspective of, you know, there's some bigger emergencies that you want to, a goal would be to be able to fund those. What, hap what if something happened to your job or your ability to work? You know, you'd want to have some flexibility in order to um, have something to live off of while you figure out what are you gonna, going to do. Whether it's get a new job or if you if it's a medical issue and you have to, you know, get sure. through some recovery or some treatment plans or anything like that. So one of the benchmarks is to have say three to six months of spending in an emergency fund, which would just be like a savings account at your bank, not invested, so it's not tied up in the market, mm -hmm. easy to access. You know, if, if you spend $5,000 a month, then I would say a goal would be, you know, say close to 15000 That can take a long time to accumulate. And if you're trying to balance that between paying down some credit card or credit card debt, you know, it's just a matter of trying to kind of make some headway on both of those along the way, depending on the situation on the debt. Oh, yeah, you're Exactly, because so many folks just take it for granted what they actually spend each month, too. Mm -hmm. um, we've all you know, experienced higher costs for things this year, whether it relates to opening up your electric bill or mm -hmm. you know, things of that nature. So you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, just understanding what your cash flow needs are first and then maybe building toward that. Yeah, it sets so many things. Like it sets that parameter of how much you should have in cash. And then also, again, if you're tracking what comes in and what goes out, it allows you to see what is that extra, if there is extra, mm -hmm. and where should that go and how should you view that. You can accumulate in a, in a savings account for future purchases as well, like if you need new appliances or if you really feel like you're going to need a car in the next you know, one to two years, you may want to start accumulating extra funds. Sometimes people can com compartmentalize those and have several savings accounts where they fund all these different mm -hmm. buckets. There's probably a simpler approach to that is just combine your buckets and figure out what your overall goal is. If you think you need $10,000 for a car and your emergency fund should be 15000 that obviously math, that's 25000 right. You know, will you hit that exactly before you need an, a new car? Maybe, maybe not. You know, can you spend your emergency fund on buying a car? Well, 
that's a decision to make. You know, how low does it, do you still feel comfortable with and how fast would it take you to reaccumulate? So just some different things that I think can get kind of, that we all can get kind of tied up in. Yeah, I agree. And with the concept of people evaluating what their options are at the time when they need to do so, um, I know that a lot of folks uh, love to just pay cash for things if they can, and that's wonderful. But you might get to a point where I'm going to look at making a major purchase, for example, a car, a boat, maybe a second mm-hmm. home. You know, really evaluate what, what your options are at that point in time to see if it makes sense to spend down uh, what you've accumulated in that fund. And I, you know, I think that makes uh, makes a lot of sense. That leads into also, does it make sense to finance some of it? <laughs> we just right. talked in the first part of the show about trying to get rid of some debt. Well, yeah. there's also debt that is at reasonable interest rates. Right now, interest rates are on the rise, and they won't be on the rise forever. So when there's some adjustments you know, back down, that just gives some different ways to view debt, whereas maybe your savings in your bank account can give you a bit more peace of mind and head off some risk, whereas if you, instead of paying cash for the car, you, you finance part of it you know, when there's reasonable sure. interest rates that make sense. Exactly. We were recently working with somebody who was planning on retiring soon. They had an opportunity. It was their dream to purchase a new fishing boat. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it just it worked out that it didn't make sense for them to spend all of their money, you know, at the end of the year. They were going to wait till the new year and pay the loan off. So they, right. they got a low interest rate loan, didn't have to claim income where it wasn't necessary or mm-hmm. wherever the case may be. So it's great. And talk to your advisors and you know, people that you work with that help make decisions that maybe they'll be able to give ideas, especially your financial planner, mm-hmm. tax advisors, and so forth are, yeah. are certainly helpful. Absolutely, especially when it comes to spending, depending on what it is you're spending. You know, if you're just spend, depending on if you're spending money out of your checking account, if you're retired and you're spending your retirement savings, there's a lot of different moving parts. And so, yeah, definitely talk to your financial advisor, reach out to somebody for an introduction to someone if you don't have an advisor already. Oh, absolutely. So um, what are some other things that people can use, like resources? I know tools that you might recommend that people turn to. Uh, is there any specific website or I know for example for us we use you know a financial planning tool mm-hmm. um, it not only will help frame some of the longer term needs or expenses that we have out there but also we can back into you know kind of what some of the basic needs are today the essential expenses and then if you want to you know share any ideas around some of the things that people might have in terms of stretch goals or things that they might want to do, like, for example, a vacation. Sure. So so when it comes to saving for bigger purchases, vacations, emergency fund, you know, that's some, there are some guidelines like we already talked about. The other piece of savings is actually continuing to save for retirement, education savings, health care down the road. Now, different places you can save in those ways are like, say, a 529 plan. Wisconsin's is the AdVest. That's the college education savings or secondary education savings. You can use it for a lot of different things. In that tool, there are calculators that will project out, given Mm -hmm. the inflation rate on education is different than normal inflation. So that calculator is really helpful and kind of give you a goal as if you want to pay a quarter or half or you know half of 
someone's education who's maybe four years old now, sure. what might that look like when they're 18? And what kind of, you know, whether it's an in-state public or an out-of-state private, those kinds of expenses. So that's a helpful tool. 401ks have that similar tool usually where mm-hmm. you can put in and project out what you might need in retirement. Again, it's going to come down to what you're spending now. That's why cash flow tracking is so important because if we know that um, you're spending X number of dollars each month now, when you retire, you're probably going to be at that same level because you've got a certain lifestyle that you enjoy and that you want to keep going. You might even spend more in retirement because you've got more time for the things and more time for longer trips. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a piece of it that... um, if you do use a tool like a planning tool on your own, you just want to be really careful um, and double check the assumptions that are being made. Sometimes those 401 calculators, they assume what your Social Security is going to be in retirement. But you should really pull that off of the um, website or in the paper statements. If you're over age 60, they mail those to you. Uh, the website is ssa.gov. The .gov sure. is very important. Mm-hmm. That's your name. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, that's just some things. If you do uh, any of the calculators or any kind of free planning tools, like you mentioned, we use a financial planning software with all of our clients here. And again, we do that same thing, making sure that we can really stand behind these assumptions. And are they accurate? Because I can, you know, any anybody can make a plan look really great. But if it doesn't reflect what your lifestyle is actually going to be or what savings you're really going to accumulate between now and you know, whether it's college for kids or grandkids or it's retirement for, for yourself, um, it doesn't, it doesn't, that, that great plan on, on the screen doesn't really matter. Exactly. And when you think about retirement savings in general, I know that's like a huge area for people and there are constantly changing things that are occurring with new uh, laws, regulations, allowing people to save more. Uh, just this year alone, people can increase their savings by a lot more than they could mm-hmm. in previous years. Um, people that are getting older over the age of 50 can contribute a lot more just based on their age. So keeping those things in mind and educating yourself on what's available and what is possible are really things to, to keep in mind. Um, let's talk about putting money into the retirement plans do you have any particular, you know, suggestions if people aren't putting away now or maybe they're, they don't know if they're putting enough away? What sure. would you suggest? So again, you know, this is some kind of generalized conversation here, mm-hmm. not, not specific yes. to any individual listener, obviously, because everyone's situation is different. But um, so, so there's some different ways to start. To think about contributing to your 401k or 403b um, at least up to, at a minimum, the matching contribution from your employer if there is one, because that's just free money. So if you contribute 6% and they'll contribute 4 because there's this calculation, so 6 is what you have to get give to get the full 4, well, right there you're at 10% of savings if you can maximize that match. Um, above that, you know, again, another generalized guideline is to save 15% of your income towards retirement. So if you count the match, you know, it gives you a little bit of a head start. But if you can do that just from your gross salary mm-hmm. that's or gross wages, that's even better. Um, if you've started late, 
you know, 15% might not really get you to where you need to be. But starting is most important and trying to maximize what you can contribute. You mentioned the the IRS limits on what you can contribute, and that's going to be for people that are under 50, $22,500 of your own contribution doesn't include the match for uh 2023. For those over 50, it's $30,000. So that's the maximums. Those are great goals to try to hit because the savings is easy, comes right out of your paycheck. And then then we could talk too about, you know, where to save. Sometimes plans have tax deferred, which is the traditional or very typical. But would it make sense for you to pay the taxes now if you have that option? It's called a Roth 401k or 403b. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and that's a very critical and important planning consideration mm-hmm. that many of our clients should take in, into account and certainly talk to your financial planner or professional about the best approach. You've been listening to Money Sense. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to talk to Heather a little bit more about the emotional side of investing. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jamie Williams, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Heather Deaton, Financial Planner and Wealth Advisor. Very honored to be able to interview one of my colleagues here today, Heather. (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. This has been great. So, Heather, before the break, we were talking about retirement savings. We were talking about how people should approach it, uh, what they should maybe be contributing as a starting point. Obviously, that's going to be different for different people, their income levels what their plan offers them in terms of components. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about that and Mm -hmm. understand, you know, like when people invest into their 401k and they get all these papers and it has all this information and they're overwhelmed, what are some of the first things that they might want to consider before they start checking boxes? Yeah, that's such a great uh, topic. Thanks for bringing that up, Jamie. Um, First thing when you decide where to contribute. If you do have the traditional tax deferred option or the Roth option in your 401k, which is tax-free growth forever, you'll never pay taxes on those funds that you contribute again. You don't get a tax deduction on it now like you do on the traditional side. So that's one piece. Now that would be something to maybe talk to your tax Mm -hmm. advisor about. If you're in a 35% tax bracket right now and you might more likely be in, say, a 22 or 24% bracket in retirement, we'll take the tax break now. But if you're paying 12%, 22% now, and you're going to pay that same amount in retirement, it might be a better idea to do the Roth because you get the growth on those dollars that you're adding now that you might spend in 20, 30, 40 years from now at, at all that growth is tax-free as well. So that's an important and very specific and unique decision to make, you know, for your own situation by talking to your financial advisor, talking to your tax professional. Mm -hmm. That's the same piece I had mentioned a bit about education savings, and that's also tax-free growth. So if you're saving in, say, a 529 plan, that can be used for future education for that beneficiary, um, and that any growth in that account is also tax-free if used for education. And there's some other, you know, uh, pieces around education planning that that we could certainly um, you could certainly find on on the advest website you could call our office and talk to to you or I right Jamie yeah, absolutely another bucket is um, tax-free savings for 
health care expenses in retirement. That's called a health savings account, an HSA. You have to have a certain kind of health care um, plan right now. It's mm-hmm. got to be a high deductible plan, HSA, like qualified in order to contribute to an HSA. So there's some different pieces there, but that's just another place to do tax-free growth because taxes in retirement feel even less you're less happy to pay them in retirement as you are right now when you're actually working and earning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. And trust me, when, when we work with clients that are at or about to retire, it becomes an entirely different conversation mm-hmm. than when they were working. Right. So. And we were talking about those like Roth and traditional 401k, 403b. There's also the IRA options on the outside. Depending on where your income level is, you may be able to contribute to a Roth IRA outside of your work plan and those contribution limits you know are are different and that's a different piece that you know call the office and we can talk you through yeah. on that my analogy on the roth is you know it's kind of like a horse in the race with no saddle and no jockey <laughs> i mean it just once that money's in there it's going to grow and hopefully you're doing this early and often and mm-hmm. over time there's nothing greater than to see a nice, healthy Roth IRA account balance. And and you mentioned, um, you know, that growth over time. Now, obviously, that's going to depend on market conditions. It's also going to depend on the investments that you choose inside of all those accounts. So thinking that through, if you really look at and talk with a financial advisor about this as to what are you what are you comfortable with when it comes to risk? What are your growth needs? And then how do you address that moving forward? You know, to choose the right investments in your 401k, your 401k might have some professionals you can talk to, or you can always, you know, talk to your own financial advisor or find a financial advisor to talk to. That's really going to help because if you put it in the 401k, that's step one. If it doesn't get invested or it doesn't get invested right for what your goals and needs are, it, it... you could do better. Right. right. Yeah. You don't want to defeat the purpose, right? Right, right. So that's a very important key um, concept that you put into play there because you mentioned risk earlier. Mm-hmm. And I know many of our listeners today uh, probably have experienced a very challenging market mm-hmm. as of late. And one uh, to the likes we haven't seen for maybe a decade or more. Right. So knowing, you know, kind of putting that money in, getting it to work, and doing it early often, as I mentioned, but also making sure you have the right investment risk and allocation to meet your long-term goals and needs. So with that being the case, I know, you know, just seeing that roller coaster of ups and downs with the market, you know, really ties into one aspect of investing and planning, which is the emotional side. And not only does that play a big factor with how we feel, but also looking at hitting that reset button financially and when you create this plan, there are a lot of other emotions that tie in as well. So, Heather, do you want to share some thoughts or initial ideas around that? Right. You know, oftentimes around finances and many other choices in life, you can either feel very confident in those choices or you can feel some regret in them. Um, you know, maybe not understanding the portfolio and feeling discouraged because of the down market last year you know if you're continuing to save right now you're getting a great deal you're getting a sale Mm -hmm. we don't want the stock market to be the the sale that you run away from it's a great time to continue to contribute so i think also when it comes to say the spending side that we talked about like removing any kind of guilt or shame around around the 
past and just being able to learn from it and have that plan going forward. You can say that with the investment side as well, that you know making decisions based on emotion in a down market is can be detrimental to your long-term success of that investment. While when you take something out of its opportunity to grow back, um, can can really impact what where you end up later. So it's being able to take some of the emotion out of it, and then just having a lot of like confidence and peace. Yeah. That when you look at the the trend lines, and when you look at where things are going to go, likely over you know ten years, twenty years, thirty years. And knowing that what we're experiencing, say, right now or what we experienced in 2022 is is a feels very discouraging. And it was it's been a long road, but it's also a a period. It's a moment in time. Yes, we've been here in one way, shape or form at some point in the past. Maybe not exactly like Mm -hmm. this, uh, especially given some of the factors on the fixed income side and other things that we've experienced. But, you know, certainly. want to keep it in perspective because we kind of say, look, when we're when we're up this close and we're looking at our statement, take a step back and zoom out, mm-hmm. right? Just kind of look at how things have gone over time because if you have been a longtime investor, you would see that you've reaped long-term rewards too. So, um, you know, the other thing that we have talked about in the past and it's just come up is just creating like a reward system for yourself maybe not just pouring over the data, the numbers, the, you know, the charts and the graphs. What are some other things that people might want to think about doing just to kind of take the stress off? You know, there's also kind of focusing on what you can control. We talked a lot about cash flow in this. We talked a lot about um, savings goals and being able to continue to, to fund your savings, whichever piece of it needs its needs some tender loving care Mm -hmm. Um, but also just being able to like say declutter you know declutter when you see things in your cash flow that that make you feel uncomfortable declutter when you're in your kitchen or or your living space and you realize there's just this accumulation of of stuff some of it's emotional stuff but even if we just look around the physical things there's so much that you can feel so much more accomplished when you can actually have things that you appreciate and that you love and that bring you joy and that have meaning to you as opposed to just a tremendous amount of of things. And, you know, on the financial side, it's things like cleaning up subscriptions. You know, if you haven't been using that gym subscription, you, you, you might not. And maybe just stepping away from that, there's a lot. You won't see that on your bank statement every right. single month. You know, it can really free up a lot of that and focusing on what it is that you want to be able to spend your emotional energy on. You know, building up relationships in your life that that you enjoy. That's awesome. So at that at this point, I think it's a perfect time for us to take a quick break. We've been talking with Heather Deaton, wealth advisor and financial planner at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Money Sense. This is Jamie Williams with Ellen Becker Investment Group, Wealth Advisor and Financial Planner here with my colleague, Heather Deaton, also Wealth Advisor and Financial Planner. We are talking about hitting the financial stress reset button, and we've talked about you know ways to approach getting started, um, 
things to consider throughout that process in terms of savings, uh, spending, debt, a number of different things. Before the break, we were talking about more of the emotional side of investing and just kind of decluttering, making your life more simple. Mm -hmm. And that might be, Heather, as you mentioned, getting rid of things you don't need. Maybe going paperless on your statements. Yeah, It's a nice green thing to do. Uh, Getting rid of subscriptions and maybe just trying to keep things in a fashion or aligned that work best for you and really take the stress off. So with that, Heather, you know, what are some other things that come to mind that you would want to share that people should think about that might not even relate to necessarily just the finance side, Mm -hmm. but things that you can do to make yourself just feel better? You know, I think there's so much to be said about joy and about gratitude and about peace and and trying to find some some calm. You know, that all sounds a bit like, right, overall kind of self-care. And this applies to everyone. You know, I really enjoy, I enjoy tea and I enjoy laughter and having fun. So if I can make a ritual out of making a cup of tea or, or a great cup of coffee, and when I have time with my family, my friends, even my coworkers, if I can try to find ways to experience joy, even in little pieces, we like to play board games at home. Um, you know, we'll do Zoom calls with people that are out of state and keep connected that way. Family parties are pretty loud on my side of the family. <laughs> so so that's always great. But, you know, even just those like day-to-day pieces, um, I'd say that the gratitude side, it can take a while to make this a habit, to actually take pen to paper and write it down, use notes on your phone if that's your thing, and just every day find a few things that happened that day or people in your life or things in your life or experience that you had that you're really grateful for. You know, whether that's something super small like the smell of rain um, or if it's, you know, a a dog you saw walk by your house, you know, with its owner or if it's something that's really super meaningful, you know, like a deep conversation you had with, with a family member or a friend. Like those pieces build up and it's, I've been doing this for a while and I get excited when I have too many to just fill out my gratitude journal with just three, you know, and you start to look for things that you're grateful for, you know, you try to find joy. You can look for things that that bring you joy. Um, on the on an, another way to look at it too is also just being able to take time for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, is that binge watching a show? Is that scrolling through social media? Maybe, um, maybe taking even a different tack on it to say, let's really look inside meditation that can be really overwhelming i've done a bit of that um there's a lot of short youtube videos there's um podcasts that will take you through meditation and it's three minutes four minutes five minutes and to do that a few times a week it can really like just help recenter you and if nothing else it just makes you still for those few minutes um yoga so this sounds like it's all these you know like i said so centered on self-care and and I have really made great strides in probably the last one to two years about self-care because I thought I did it, and I really realized that I didn't. And so um, for me, yoga was not something that I really enjoyed, and I don't like that quiet. I don't 
like that slow, but I have found a couple of places that I can find a yoga that I enjoy. It's not fast and it's not necessarily loud, but there is like music that I enjoy. It's your style. Right. And I I do yoga in the summer. I do yoga at Alice's Garden Urban Farm in Milwaukee. It's at um, 20th and Garfield. So it's right in the city and it's a beautiful place. And I love the yoga there because I don't really like yoga, but there it's like this serenity in sort of some chaos. You hear cars driving by. You hear mm-hmm. a lot of different things. There's a market going on in the garden. So so that's where I really said, oh, maybe I can like yoga. Right. <laughs> right? That's... And so trying new things. And that's all things that can kind of help recenter you. If we think about those things that we can control, like we can't control the market. You know, we can't control inflation. Yes, we can make decisions around how we spend our dollars and where we invest. But, you know, sure. We can control the things that that we bring into our life that matter. That's a really important discovery, I think, not only for you but for others. Uh, one thing that I know we promote here is, you know, self care, wellness. Mm-hmm. We've got that somewhat ingrained in our culture here at Ellen Becker. But you know, thinking about mindset, really, just mm-hmm. kind of saying, this is where I see myself. This is what I really want, where I want to be. I'm going to take these steps now in order to get to that place in the future. And setting realistic goals, I think, is probably the biggest thing that we all need to keep in perspective Mm -hmm. is we love the idea of just, hey, I want to buy a vacation home in three years. Well, is that realistic? Mm -hmm. And is it maybe the right thing for you to do? Maybe you would want to take a completely different approach and maybe have a wonderful experience with your family at an Airbnb. Right. Or do, do things along the way. Um, so when I've experienced clients or people that I know that have come into some, uh, I guess, anxiety or things of that nature that really kind of fall into maybe their personal or financial lives or somewhat overlapping, I've all, I've always kind of gone back to the planning Mm -hmm. and it's nice to remind people that, well, we've done the plan. So there have been those few instances where people have said, you know, wow, last year was really rough. Do I, do I need to go back to work now? And it's really comforting to think that, you know, we can have them come back in. We can kind of talk to them about what their concerns or fears are and then just show them that, you know what, you've done the right thing. We know the market is not predictable in the sense of where it's going, but based on the planning we've done with some degree of, you know, uh, probability, we can say that you're on the right track. Right. And and part of that planning is to plan for, for all different things that may happen, up markets, down markets, you know, changes in your personal life that impact the financial side of it. And that's what we do here, as you know, Jamie, is really working with our clients on a plan along the way, making those adjustments for the curveballs that life throws at us or the changes in, in goals, too, along the way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, nothing is static. And when it comes to finances, nothing is static when it comes to technology or anything, you know. But if you get on the right track and you set yourself up with a great baseline plan, keeping it simple and looking long lasting, you will find success. Uh, Heather, what are some things that you might recommend that people use? Do you have any resources that you'd like to share with our listeners that might help them? Uh, either with getting started or kind of resetting what their plan is about. 
Right. I mean, I think that when we look at everything from the finances side, again, cash flow tracking, we have a pretty straightforward spreadsheet that we use. Anybody can call the office and we can email that to them, but it's a matter of just categorizing what where your spending is going and tracking kind of what your opportunities are each month. Um, I'd say, again, looking at uh, software that might be available in your 401k, as well as some different podcasts um, or resources like that. I like to listen to a couple of um, Wall Street Journal podcasts that they have. There's Mm -hmm. a couple, there's one that's like released twice a day, super easy, straightforward, you know, money briefing is what it's called. And some some pieces like that. Um, there's an uh, Life Kit is a pretty interesting short little clips, um, about 20 minute long episodes that tackle a different habit you may try to create or a, a common sort of issue that you might address. It's geared for people across all the spectrum. But I really like that one, too, because it's mm-hmm. got really easy, like, steps on how to do things, like, you know, whether it's paying down debt or savings. They have just, you know, some pretty good tips on that. And then, you know, we talked about the emotional side. I think um, another podcast I like on the meditation side, they have interviews twice a week where it's not a meditation. It's just learning more about some pieces of meditation. And then um, on Fridays, they have a meditation that they do, and that's called 10% Happier. And that is um, actually uh, a gentleman that used to be on CNN and went through kind of a an anxiety attack on air. And that's just been pretty interesting to, you know, ha- hear his perspective. Oh, my. That sounds interesting. Thank <laughs> right. you for sharing that. So what I'm taking away from this and this conversation is that much of the success that we're going to achieve is really attitude driven, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of have to adjust. We have to hit that proverbial reset button. Um, you know, if, if you're worried about something, talk to a financial professional, talk to a loved one, a mentor, somebody that can kind of help maybe put you on that right uh, path to finding where you want to go. Um, ultimately, we want to achieve health, wealth, and prosperity. Those are the three kind of things that mm-hmm. all kind of work together. And I would also add, just in closing, that Ellen Becker hosts a number of educational seminars throughout the year that are either lifestyle related. So Heather, I know that you have the sustainable living group that you have guests throughout the year. I host the Inspire Retirement where we have a number of events throughout the year as well. And uh, we also have the educational side, which is, um, you know, we do social security seminars, Medicare planning, uh, we bring in professionals that can educate you on various aspects of the market. Yeah, so checking out the events page on ellenbecker.com is a is a great resource for a place to build some community and get some, you know, instruction and education along the way. That's great, Heather. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. And I would like to share that Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from noon to 1 p.m. If you like today's show and want to learn more, please visit www.ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being today. Remember that before we plan, we advise, and before we invest, we always listen.